Well, good morning. I'm going to begin this morning with a reading from Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want to tell you about the summer of 2009. It was going to be a good summer for me. I was excited because I had been asked to lead the Youth Alive in Christ team. And what that was is it was a team of students from Alberta Bible College that would go around to different churches and Bible camps uh, in Western Canada, and they would lead vacation Bible schools, and they would lead church camps. Um, And I had been part of this team the year before. It had been a great experience for me. But this year, they had asked me to lead the team. And and to me, that was a great honor. It was a great privilege. Um, I felt like people trusted me. Um, I felt like I had been given some authority. There was probably a bit of pride there, too. Um, I was just, I was in a good spot going into that summer. But before that summer could begin, we had to go off to Pine Lake uh, for a week of training. And uh, I led most of that training, too. And it was near the end of that training week that one of my team members received a phone call. And that phone call brought bad news. A friend of hers had, out of the blue, unexpected, passed away. I remember that day well because it was a hard day for me. I remember that I cried. But I don't just remember that I cried, I remember why I cried. See, I cried in part because I also knew the lady that had passed away. She had been a member of our church my entire life. Uh, She was a family friend. I was sad that she had passed. But mostly I cried that day because I realized just how powerless I was. I was supposed to lead this team 
And yet before our adventure had even begun, I came to a point where there was nothing that I could do. I couldn't comfort this person that I was leading. Um, I couldn't make it better because I could not raise the dead. This was a pretty powerful lesson for me, and it's one that actually served me like a lot that summer because there came a lot of situations um, where I ran into the same thing, where I realized I was powerless. Um, and that, that first moment before the summer even began, what it, what it taught me ultimately was that I needed to rely on God. There was nothing I could do, but God could still work. Um, and, and I came back to that again and again that summer as we faced different challenges. Um, but as I reflect on that summer, it strikes me that, that it really says something about me, that I didn't experience that moment where I realized how powerless I was until I was almost 20 years old. Um, I've also forgotten that lesson many times since. I've, I've tried to hold on to it and keep it um, as I've moved into different ministry roles, but I often forget it as well. And I think, no, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I'm running these things, and I forget that God's in control. Um, but the fact is, I've been very fortunate. I've lived a life full of blessings. It's been an easy life. And in the midst of plenty, it can be difficult to depend on God. I'll often pray the Lord's Prayer, and when I get to the line that says, give us this day our daily bread, I often find it hard to be sincere. Because the fact is, my entire life, I've always known that I'm going to have something to eat. Um, and so it's hard for me to see my need for God to provide the daily bread. And so in my life, I have been rich, and I do not doubt Jesus when he says that it is difficult for the rich to depend on God, or as he puts it, it is difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And yet at the same time, I know that this illusion that I'm in control, that I do not depend on God, it is exactly that. It's an illusion. Every once in a while, there's reminders, like that summer, where I get knocked down and I'm reminded of just how powerless I am. The Bible is full of examples of people who needed to rely on God. Um, it's so full of them, in fact, that um, one of my biggest challenges getting ready for this morning was choosing just two. Um, because you can turn just about anywhere. Um, but today I want to look at two people. The first one's the Apostle Paul. Um, even with Paul, there's a lot that I could say. Um, for example, there's places where Paul references a thorn in his flesh that he was powerless to remove. And then he talks about um, how, how he prays to God and God says, no, I'm not going to remove that because my power is made perfect in weakness. But we could also look at the book of Acts. There's a, there's a whole section at the end of the book of Acts where it talks about this series of unfortunate events for Paul where he 
is arrested. Why? Well, because some people were trying to kill him. Not, a, not by any fault of his own, but this riot starts, people try to kill him, and he's the one that gets arrested. And then he ends up in court, and he's about to be released, but he doesn't realize that, and he says, I'm going to appeal to the higher court, and they say, oh, okay, well then we'll send you to Rome, and you're going to stay a captive. Um, and then he's out on the open sea, and, and he's on a ship, and a storm comes up, and the ship crashes, and... Um, by God's mercy, they all survive. Paul has every opportunity to escape, but instead he helps his captors to survive, and the result is that he's still in captivity. Um, and then finally he gets to Rome, and he just ends up there under house arrest. He doesn't get the trial that he wants, at least not right away. Um, and so through no fault of his own, he's he's facing these difficulties. Um, Paul himself describes um, in 2 Corinthians, he says that five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes, um, which was supposed to be the lashes, the number that got you almost to the point of death, but not quite. Um, Three times he says he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Paul didn't have an easy life. He had a lot of difficulties. And so after most of these events have transpired, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, to the church in, in Corinth. He says this, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that This all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. You can see the the language that Paul is using here, um, that it comes out of his difficult experience. He refers to himself as a jar of clay, something weak, something fragile. He says he's hard-pressed on every side. He's perplexed. He's persecuted. He's struck down. He carries around in his body the death of Jesus, always given over to death for Jesus' sake. Things are not easy for Paul. And yet, at the same time, in the midst of this, he shows the other side. He shows how God is working. And so because God is working, Paul is not crushed. He is not in despair. He is not abandoned. He is not destroyed And the same body that carries the death of Jesus also reveals the life of Jesus. Paul believed that in the midst of difficulty, as he relied on God, God was still very powerful. He could still be depended on fully.
got to be honest with all of you and say that there's one sense in which I feel very unworthy to bring a sermon like this to you. Because I can look out in the auditorium and I know that there's lots of stories out there of how many of you have faced things far more difficult than I will probably ever have to face. And I can only talk to you as someone who has had things relatively easy. Some of your stories I know. Some I do not. Stories of cancer. Stories of abuse. Of war. Of the loss of a job. Of the death of a loved one. Of being expelled from your home or from your country. Many of you have had to rely on God in ways that I will never have to. And so I guess my encouragement is, is don't just listen to my words, but listen to the words of Paul, who did face difficulty, who did face trial, who had a very hard life and faced a lot of pain and a lot of difficult things. And yet in the midst of that, Paul says that in his powerlessness, God is powerful and God is working through the resurrected Jesus. And so my first example for you this morning was Paul. But there's another person that I want to talk about in the Bible who relied on God. That other person is Jesus. Seems amazing if you really think about it that the Son of God, God himself in flesh, would need to depend on God. But he did. He said it again and again. If you read especially the book of John, Jesus is continually saying, I don't act on my own. I only am able to do what God is doing through me. I'm only able to say what God is saying to me. And then Jesus demonstrated that. He showed it through his life and then even more through his death. Showing that when we are weak, it is then that God is strong. Because it was the weakness and powerlessness of an unjust arrest, of an unfair trial, followed by a cruel and painful death by crucifixion. It was in the midst of that that God was working something truly powerful. God was defeating evil, displaying love, and bringing life through resurrection. And so Paul and Jesus become two of many examples that teach us whether things are good or whether they're bad, dependence on God is an absolute necessity. What I want us to consider this morning is how we can display that dependence on God. And I think that fits right in line with what we've been talking about this fall, prayer. I think there's really no better place to start. If we want to be dependent on God, we need to acknowledge that dependence to God. Prayer becomes the verbal expression that we recognize that we rely fully on him. And so it allows us to demonstrate our faith in his ability to work in our lives. I'm not going to pretend this is easy. Because, as I've already said, in good moments, it can be difficult to be sincere in our dependence on God. And in the difficult moments, we may have trouble seeing how God is providing and how God is working. 
sometimes in the truly difficult moments, in times where I see deep pain and suffering and I realize that I'm powerless, I wonder, what am I to do? I'll admit that sometimes I don't know what to think of prayer in moments like these. I wonder if it'll really be effective. I wonder what I will do if I pray and nothing happens. These questions for me have been especially potent the past couple of months. Um, Many of you have been, I think, praying for my brother Dallas and his wife Jill and their not yet born son Corbin. If you don't know the situation, um, essentially Corbin's lungs are underdeveloped and it's almost a certainty that once he's born, he will be unable to breathe. It would take a miracle, an act of God, for him to survive. And yet, in the midst of this, I have been encouraged, amazed by the strength that Dallas and Jill have shown as they depend on God. Um, And so this morning, I just want to share with you some of their words, because I think it's, it's much more powerful coming from them. Um, but they shared on Facebook uh, about a week ago, um, they shared an update. So they shared a medical update um, saying exactly where everything's at with him, uh, with their baby, um, saying that, that the doctors are saying that with the condition he has, there's less than a 10% survival rate. Um, and most doctors think that 10% is, is actually way above what it actually is. Um, they shared about how They've gone on this journey from where they had no hope to a point where they felt like they were starting to have some hope, only to have that crushed again. Um, But then after giving kind of the medical side of the update, they wrote some words about their dependence on God. Um, And I'll I'll try to read those for you this morning. (laughs) So these are the words of Dallas. Who do children belong to? It is to God alone that they belong. We are simply commissioned their care as stewards. Though we covet control and it can appear like we are in control of life, we are not. The Lord gives and he takes away. Corbin's life is God's. He gave us this little boy, entrusting us as his stewards for however short or long a time as he deems best. We have never had control over when a child comes or goes. The Lord gives and he takes away. There are worse fates than death. I'm not talking of earthly suffering, but of eternal reality. Whether in life or death, we trust that God will glorify himself through Corbin's life. This has always been our prayer. We may not be able to see how, but I know that he will. Our hope is not in our own power of faith or in the competence of human doctors. Our hope is in God. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver Corbin from the hand of death. But if not, be it known that we trust in God for something more than an earthly life. 
Like Abraham with Isaac, we consider that God is able to even raise Corban from the dead. If not from this earthly death, then from the next. We are privileged to be resting in who our God is. It is well with our souls. So I still have questions. I don't know what God is doing. It's not easy to rely on him in the midst of these questions. And I'm sure it'll only get a lot harder in the weeks that are coming. Especially if God does not choose to heal him and he he dies. And so this morning, I can only talk to you as someone who doesn't have the answer to a lot of the questions. But there is something I do know. And what I do know is this. That as the creator of the universe, if the God who can form the earth, who can split the seas, who can calm the storm, who can heal the lame, and who can raise the dead, if that God is inviting me to come and talk with him and to converse with him, And if I truly believe that that God is so full of love that he would give up his position of authority, become a human, and serve us, and die a painful and shameful death because he loves us that much. If that God is so loving, then we can't just say that he's loving, but we have to say that God is love itself. If that God is inviting me to talk with him, to converse with him, then why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I bring my request to him? Why wouldn't I talk to him? And so I do. And so whether you are in good times or bad times this morning, my challenge to you is to make sure you're relying on God and specifically to do that through prayer. Um, If you're participating in our prayer challenge, I'll explain that again in a minute, exactly what that is. Um, but basically we're encouraging people to pray for 15 minutes every day to the end of the year. Um, that's a good opportunity to show your dependence on God. And, and if you're not doing that, I encourage you to do it. Um, but find, find other time to pray um, to show your dependence on God. Um, you can do it through praising God, praising him for being the provider. You can thank him for what he has given you. And then you can ask him to continue providing. For whether we are weak or strong, God's strength is far greater. We can accomplish so much more when we're dependent on him. Um, And so I'll just again mention, we're encouraging the church um, November and December through the end of the year. If you can spend 15 minutes a day in prayer, um, we just think that can be such a powerful thing. Uh, and can really set the stage for what can be an amazing 2018. Um, if you would like guidance in that, if you'd like some tools that you can use, there's a bunch available on our website. There's also um, some some printed materials available in the Connection Center, so just right through these doors um, when you leave this morning. Um, we're also having some times of group prayer where we'd like to get as many people from the church as possible together 
uh, to pray together. Um, last week we had announced initially that we were going to have one of those on November 19th. Yeah, but we've actually moved that date uh, to November 26th. Um, just because there's already some other things going on that day. So November 26th is the new date for that. I encourage you to be there. I encourage you to be praying. Um, and why don't we do exactly that right now? Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, um, we come to you this morning in total dependence knowing that we need you, knowing that you are powerful even in our weakness. And God, I pray that you would help us to recognize that because I know that that's so easy to forget uh, when times are good. And yet we always need you. And so God, may we depend on you. And we pray that in the midst of that, that you would provide We thank you for everything that you have provided to us. We are so blessed. Be with us um, during this week to come. Pray that as we depend on you, that we would be able to serve you um, better and in more effective ways. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.